Hi everyone, it's Ford here. I know you're all about to listen to my voice for the next hour and 10-ish minutes, but I just wanted to pop in and give this week's Patreon shoutouts. Thank you to Juno, Olive Edelwolf, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Crow, Sean Locke, Janaloni, Dylan Bochamp, Prozac Haven, Jupiter McIntyre, Connor Fox, Emery Silvers, Saffron, and Adrian Frisbee. We couldn't have done it without you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Brain Rot Presents. And now on with this week's episode. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to... (laughs) That felt really natural. Hi, everybody. Welcome Welcome to Dungeon Amateurs. My name is Ford. and And today with me, I have Haley and... Gus, would you guys like to introduce yourself a bit more? My name is Haley. What all should I introduce myself with? Like, what do you do? What do I do? Where would the people know you? Um, If they're a TikTok person, they might know me from there. I'm at Whip Jack on TikTok. And um, I also have this uh, super cool podcast that it's all mine and it's called Unprepared Casters. And it's a, it's a D&D one. This is how it's starting, huh? This is that, <laughs> that I don't yeah. master on. Actually, I think it's pretty cool. Actually, Haley's the only one here. Gus is an imaginary <laughs> friend. Cool. So uh, <laughs> you just, I mean, this is my Zoom account where you finally <laughs> this episode's over. So let's just be careful here. That's, sorry, who are you? That's where true. Are you Gus, <laughs> Gus does hold the most power in this. Yeah, let's like, all just be really careful. <laughs> careful with the amount of Gus bullying. This isn't a thread, it's just, I'm just saying. Uh, uh, <laughs> so yes, my name is Gus. Uh, if you know me from TikTok, I'm Gus the Bard there. Uh, I also uh, have a podcast called Unprepared Casters that I mm. collaborate equally on with, with my <laughs> wonderful friend, Haley. And I think that our chemistry, both as hosts mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. playing the game and as creative collaborators really yeah. makes the podcast more than it would be <laughs> if just either one of us were trying to do it on our own. It's really a whole really sweet. more than the sum of its parts situation. And that's why I'm so <laughs> thankful for this collaboration. <laughs> I see, I, see so we're going, nice, guys. I see we're going for the killing with kindness approach today. That's the only way I know how. Our to usual do. dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for and for for those of you who are just joining us, because this is and that's everybody, because this is the first inaugural episode. Uh, Dungeon Amateurs is a is a podcast that isn't a D&D podcast so much as it is a D&D learning podcast. It's for people that want to learn how to DM and want to take the take a crack at it but have always been too intimidated. So, we're going to take it episode by episode while I make a one shot in the final episode. Well, we're going to have a one shot and we're going to play it properly so everybody can learn together. In each episode, we're going to have a couple some different people come on and talk about a very specific topic related to that. And today and today we have Haley and Gus, as I mentioned before. And today on the first episode, because this is one of two episodes I'm recording with them, you'll hear the other one after uh, uh, the third episode later. Uh, yes, uh, today we're gonna be talking about the very basics, the bare bones, like world building and like how, and like developing characters and like 
all the things that scare the shit out of people. <laughs> uh, quick pause. Did you say this is the first episode? It is. Wow. <laughs> I'm so honored. I had no idea. That's so exciting. This is, I guess, is a, not a surprise to anyone else because if you're looking at the show and it's like episode one, but I am excited. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Gus <laughs> is just thrilled to be here. I am. <laughs> so weird, because I've been nothing but trying to make this a hostile environment for him. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> His positivity is overwhelming. Can't be stopped. <laughs> yeah, and I really, and because of their really cool podcast, which you should check out called Unprepared, uh, Unprepared Casters, they have a lot, they do a lot of really cool world building. Uh, do you, either of you guys kind of want to explain like uh, what the, ba- how your version of world building works? Because I think you guys do something that's really unique from other D&D podcasts. Gus has the good elevator pitch. Go. <laughs> so basically, Unprepared Casters is a show that world builds as it goes with each of our individual bite-sized adventures building upon and spinning off the adventure that preceded it. So our first adventure called Dragons in Dungeons was a very classic D&D adventure that Haley ran. We tried to hit all of the main D&D tropes. We tried to make it our spin on on everyone's first idea of what D&D is. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did a wonderful job setting it up and running it. And it was a it was a wonderful starting point for us to start building our world together. So uh, the, the, the very simple way that we like to phrase it is that our show is a spinoff of a spinoff of a spinoff. So when I took over the reins for the second arc that we ran, I, <clears throat> I moved to a different part in the world. I took a couple of characters and and expanded upon sort of different, like their their family or or you know a place that they came from. And then with this third heist movie, yes, I ran a little heist <laughs> movie. Uh, and then with our third arc, Haley's doing like a very sort of broad picture because it's a high level campaign, broad picture look at the biggest problems that are going on with this world. So. It's um, how we go about world building is that we're doing it together and we're doing it a lot of the times uh, we're doing it in game and mm-hmm. with these new things that we're building rather than uh, doing a bunch of stuff on our own and then bringing it to the table, which yeah. I will probably be talking about a lot because that's a big thing that I like mm-hmm. uh, that I think about world building. But essentially, that's the show. We take turns being the DM and we spin off each other's adventures. And the theory, which I think is working out so far, is mm-hmm. that over time <laughs> we will build a world. Yeah, that's a really, which is really, which is really fucking cool in my opinion. <laughs> like, thank you. Yes. I've listened. I've listened to a few episodes, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was yeah, a great. Time. Would be weird if you invited us on uh, when you didn't. Yeah, no, that'd be <laughs> so weird if I was just like, no, I know nothing about you people. I just I listened to your podcast. It was bad. Will you please be on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like a 2012 YouTuber doing collabs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like hey, like hey, uh. Oh, Oler, uh, Takely, uh, would you like to be on my YouTube channel where we play Cards Against Humanity, even though we're never going to talk to each other again? <laughs> <laughs> I would. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's inspiring, truly. But yeah, 
one of the main things that you hear about people doing like DD and stuff like that whenever they're like beginning uh to become a dm uh because people will remember if they follow me on TikTok. i've been doing a little bit of mining in terms of like people's thoughts and i'll like I did like a little video where I was like trying to ask for people's thoughts and like what scared them and like what confused them, et cetera, and so on. Because I was like, this is an easy way to get people to give me information about what terrifies them. Uh, so the Amazon of D&D TikTok. Anyways, uh, so I, the main thing I noticed was that a lot of people, besides just being afraid of not having, was the main thing that I noticed was people were afraid of not having enough content and feeling like they were going to have content that was interesting which is where this episode comes in because i feel like people see world building as the biggest hurdle in terms of like mm -hmm. a lot of D, D stuff uh frankly i think i gave you two the hardest things that people the thing the two things people are the most freaked out about by team bring it on yeah, yeah. honored once more for <laughs> taking on these big scary issues yes and before we began I emailed you guys last night. I gave you guys a very nice long list of questions uh, because I figured, as we mentioned before, because there was a, a lost recording somewhere in there, we're tangential people. So <laughs> I just kept it very succinct because I was like, we're going to get on tangents. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I figure, let's start from the top. Let's do a nice little icebreaker here. What got you into D&D &D and what got you into like DMing specifically? Like what was your what was your first campaign? I know what your first campaign was, Haley, because you it's it's on the internet. <laughs> uh, guess do you want to talk about what, what got you into D and D? Yeah, sure. Uh, I I had sort of been so I got into D and D in like mid twenty eighteen. Um, I had heard about it for a while and it seemed very interesting. I've always loved playing games and having friends. Uh, so <laughs> which I think are two of the big important fun parts about D and D. Um. And it sort of kind of took over my life all at once from a bunch of different directions. I started listening to Not Another D&D podcast because uh, I've always been a part, I've always loved College Humor and everything that they've done. So that for was sure. that was very natural for me. Uh, and at the same time, I stepped into a friend of mine's game and started playing. Um, and it was just sort of the thing where it was something that a lot of different parts of my personality and things that I enjoy. I was always set up to to enjoy D and D and to love it. Mm -hmm. It just I had just hadn't gotten into it until very recently, and so I sort of did a lot of catch up, and it sort of just kind of took over. And only after playing for a few months did I decide that I there wasn't enough, and I wasn't playing enough, <laughs> and so I I bugged some friends of mine from college. Uh, I, I wasn't in college anymore, but I like I, I bugged some friends that I'd made in college and said like, hey, if any of you guys played D&D before, maybe like I can buy the starter set and we can we can just sort of see what it's like for me to run a game and um, and they were all down and we started trying to play the starter set. We had a lot of fun. After about halfway through, we were like, all right, we don't want to do the starter set anymore. Let's just start doing homebrew stuff. So I was like, all right, cool. You get a letter from something and you got to leave this mission and go to another mission. And then we've been doing that sort of homebrew world. You leave a mission halfway Ever through? Since. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Well, they were, they were so early. They didn't, it was just, you know, they like, they they like show, they show up to the, they show up to like the, the the goblin den or whatever it is like the, yeah, yeah. They, they're like standing outside you hear like the rustling of leaves and like scurrying inside and it's like oh well you know i really don't feel like just the little post guy like running up behind like 
<laughs> mission. You, you gotta go. <laughs> So accurate to what actually happened. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They, they was after the Goblin Den part, but yeah, pretty much. Of course. <laughs> I've been told I am mildly psychic by accident. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. It's not, there's no purpose to it. It's the most, if, if I were, if there was such a thing as actual psychic, I would be the most useless one because it would be for the most inane, the a most inane stuff. <laughs> it's always so trite it's like hey are you ready it's i'll like text my friend i'm like hey are you ready to get on a call now oh i was literally just getting my computer <laughs> that's that's all i can do sounds pretty useful to me that's all you need yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the amount of psychic that's helpful in a day-to-day life yeah, more exactly. than that exhausting too much too much plagued pressure. by vision too much responsibility no 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 yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and what about what about you Haley? yeah um, I was always interested in Dungeons and Dragons growing up. Um, I listened to a couple of smaller podcasts or parts of podcasts that were D&D, but the thing that made me want to play it was the Adventure Zone. Um, I love balance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I had some friends who were also really into balance. I was like, what if we played Dungeons and Dragons? Thoughts. <sighs> um, and I volunteered to DM that? and that's how you get a group together. Baby, mm-hmm. you volunteer to DM, yeah. and then they're yours. Wait, hold on. Mind-blowing revelation. You don't have to be a white podcast man to be allowed to play d and <laughs> No! Your name doesn't have to be like, your name doesn't have to be like Nathan to play, Nathan to play d and God, yeah, be... Man, all of my early representation for D&D was very much white guy playing podcast yeah but (laughs) it's getting better slowly no I I say that like that's not that's not absolutely me calling myself out as well because I (laughs) (laughs) my I the adventure zone was my gateway drug too but also uh because I listened to it in like 20 2016 approximately Mm -hmm. so like whenever it was still in the uh like halfway through I think it was Wonderland. They were in the oh. Wonderland arc. So that was very fun and fresh. <laughs> so I didn't listen until it was all the way done and I just got to binge it. Oh no, like I 2017-ish. Cri- I cried it open. I like openly wept in like a class about the finale. <laughs> oh, no. oh no. Yeah. But no, I remember because my friend, uh, my friend Alexis, uh, she was the one who wanted to get us all to play D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had a party, but it wasn't, everybody wanted to be like the cool guy that like mm. didn't want to collaborate, which like <laughs> doesn't really pan out. No, it does not. No. no. Been uh, there. Yeah. No. So that doesn't really work out. You have, you can only have one of those people. I mean, and sometimes then, you can have zero. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, even then, like that person who playing that person is understanding like, ah, well, you forced my hand. Looks yeah. like I gotta go. You can't hold on to being the edgy, cool guy for dear life. You gotta, no. <laughs> you gotta just. You're playing with the group. Yes, you're having 100%. Yep, yep. Yeah. It, so point being, it took a few tries to get D and D to stick when it's an sure. actual real life group. And you find now, the right people, and you've got you. Then you're set. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
though I know that we all do agree on one D&D, po- uh, not podcast exactly. It's more like actual play, isn't it? It's Dimension 20. We all agree Dimension yeah, 20. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, Dimension 20 changed how I saw the game. It changed yeah. my, it, it deepens my love for the game mm-hmm. tenfold. It, it's, it's an incredible, incredible, incredible work. Yeah, honest to God, just completely reignited like yeah. my love for the love for the game such mm-hmm. a great mm-hmm. piece. same what there was no need to bring up dimension 20 there that's just how much i like it <laughs> there's never not a need to bring up dimension <laughs> yeah 20. uh Bre- brennan lee mulligan i will bring you up at any given opportunity <laughs> <laughs> what a cool man what a cool man what <laughs> i we were literally just joking about him last night. The idea that maybe Brennan is probably just locked in the dome because he never <laughs> seems no, to no. leave. I hope they feed him well, at the very least. I hope so. He deserves yeah. it. He does, he does certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever he wants. Sam Reich has like scheduled feeding times where you can like, <laughs> <laughs> he, like throw. Hold on. Ah. My, pirate, my, my sword pen. Damn it. <laughs> For the record, it is a pen that is actually Ooh, yes. lovely. Yes, but yeah, no. Uh, so that's that's where that's sort of the introductions out of the way. Let's get to the main point of this. Yeah. I think like the best place to start is like having an idea. Like that's where you're gonna have the most problems, but it is also where most people start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, where do you think is the best place to look for that sort of inspiration when you're starting a new D&D campaign? And like, where do you begin like working on fleshing that out? Mm-hmm. It depends, I think, on if you're starting a long, long campaign or if you're doing something short form. Mm-hmm. Because if you're doing a one shot or a short sort of campaign, you can sort of have an idea of a tone and a whole genre you want to hit and I'm pretty sure you're going to get that um if you're doing a more long-form campaign in my experience anyway you just plan like the first thing they're going to do and you don't worry about anything else (laughs) I interesting cannot co-sign this more Uh, this is something that I believe so deeply to my core because also, Haley, were you done? I didn't mean to just to just. No, walk. it's your turn. It's your wonderful. turn. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, and I don't know if I'm gonna cover things that are asked in other questions later, but just to get on my soapbox for a second here, <laughs> when I I try to talk my friends into being dungeon masters so much, right. um, it's something that I do constantly. And world building and coming up with this idea and trying to visualize a story. Uh, is something that spooks so many people and Mm -hmm. prevents them from getting started at all. What I did with my friends and what I recommend anyone who's thinking that they want to get into D&D and they want to start DMing and they don't know how is exactly what Haley said, is to start as small as possible um, and see where things go from there. Because there's, you're always going to be able to come up with another problem for them, right? You just have to start with something. It's have your friends make some characters, throw them in a town, give them a problem. If people like the way things are going after a session or two, or after they solve the problem, great. Give them another one. And over time, it can grow into a big, full, wonderful campaign. But trying to think about, especially in the world of Critical Role and all of these Mm. 
actual plays that have this grand storytelling with all these big things that can that can be very intimidating and uh trying to create a masterpiece before you even roll any dice with your friends is just not a fun thing to do and is just a lot of stress for no reason it's just mm -hmm. a lot of stress for no reason so um you know involve your players as soon as possible in the process mm -hmm. figure out what sort of characters they want to make figure out what type of adventures they think are fun give them a problem and then after that problem see what happens and i think that's that's the easiest and best way to to start getting into it see that's yeah. really that's really interesting to me because like hearing you say that like kind of blows my mind in the weirdest way because hearing somebody say like no, you don't need to care that much. No, it's don't. so mindful because <laughs> I'm a person who cares so much all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it, the idea that you just, because you often hear people say like, oh, you need a plot before you start something. Hmm. Uh, you do when you do when you're writing. Yes. If you're going to sit down and write out an entire story start to finish, have a plot. But if you're making a campaign, the plot half of the time comes from dumb shit your friends do. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, go nuts. It comes from dumb shit your friends do that yeah. you did not and could not anticipate. Yeah. They're it going to ignore those threads. They're going to accidentally anger somebody very powerful. And then mm -hmm. they're going to throw your whole story out the window anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a big problem, especially when... Uh, when DMs plan out everything that's going to happen before they even start playing, it really restricts your player's agency. Mm -hmm. And it really restricts mm -hmm. the way that things are too. If like, if your players have to behave in a certain way in order for you to tell the story that you're telling, then you're not really playing D&D. &D. Mm. Um, you're writing a book. Yeah, you're writing a book and you're having people spectate it. Um, right. So that's why not only for to to not overwork yourself, but to also make sure that your players have an influence on the story and control the story that's why it's good to leave as much of the world building or the plot progression as possible happening in the game as opposed mm -hmm. to on your own when you're setting it up think about all your favorite pieces of media all your favorite stories and think about the protagonists in those stories and how their actions uh change change the world mm -hmm. and and change the story because uh, so much of plot advancement is based on the decisions of the of of the main characters cool. mm -hmm. That's actually really good because that, I would, yeah, I'm going to say that a lot because like whenever I do, here's the thing that I think is so funny about me, which is that something could be so obvious right in my face and I'll still be like, wow, crazy shit, mind blowing. <laughs> no, it's, Gus mentioned critical role before. Yes. And, and I, it also comes from Taz because balance had this huge overarching by the end, it, did yeah. not start off that way. Exactly. No. Exactly. exactly. No. In the re I'm pretty sure Griffin has talked about this in the past. Oh, like yeah. he's very directly re referenced the fact that balance did not have a fully developed plot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time you do like the Terminator hand, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I'm just fun. trying to let you know I'm not allowed to talk at the moment. That's all that. This is hiding. Yeah. No. It's so you'll see if you're a patron, you'll see this. But it's like <laughs> Gus has. What he's done to signal whenever there's street traffic is he's like <laughs> held his hand out like he's about to curse your 
your bloodline. I, I block my entire webcam with my hands to say there are loud engines outside my window. He does yeah. that for our show too, and sometimes forgets to tell new guests that's his signal. And then while he does it, I actually be like, "Don't worry, don't worry. Um, he'll be back." I should have a sign. Should I make a you sign? sign? You should have a sign. Make a sign. <laughs> like one of those silent film signs yeah where it's just like where it just says like uh or like a wily e. coyote sound where you just hold it up by like a stick <laughs> yes oh we'll get you a little stick for the bottom end of the day. <laughs> i was making a point <laughs> i'm trying to remember where i was going with it yeah i was about talking to make, about taz, I was I was about taz. To, yeah i was about to say he said like there was no plot until uh pedals to the metal mm. because that's whenever <laughs> he's accent. <laughs> yeah, like four arcs in, there was no solidified plot because he didn't he didn't uh, see like the thing fully formed in his brain. And the thing is, I think what a lot of people forget that Griffin had an advantage of over other DMs, that was his family. That was, yeah, he knew them so well. He, he could, knew what they were going to do. He could predict them to a T so he could mm-hmm. write a story. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, Taz Balance, Critical Role, uh, Dimension 20 to a point, but not so much because they're shorter, is once it's done and you can look back on it, you can see the overarching plot and the development and like the themes, mm-hmm. like the looking at it from like a movie or a literary perspective even, like there's themes that come out in these campaigns. And if you <laughs> sit with your index cards and your Word document and you're like, what are my themes going to be? You're going to be wrong. Especially yeah. if you've never done it before. Yeah. Especially if you've never done it before. Yeah. No, I recently made a character because I'm in another uh, campaign. Right. And my favorite thing is whenever I've accidentally made something. Like yes. I recently made a character whose name is Reason Donkey. And the reason they're named Reason is because their family is, uh, is cursed by a demon to their bloodline named Fate. And, and I think this is so very funny because the the guy who cursed their family was their great grandfather who sold his soul to have children and got his whole cut bloodline curse to be errand runners basically and i realized whenever i was doing this i was like i've made a metaphor for heteronormativity (laughs) (laughs) like i sat down i was like typing this out in like my little in like my little notes section and i was like god damn it <laughs> um mm-hmm. it's, and yeah themes can come up by mistake themes yeah. new york is happening themes can come up by mistake or when you don't uh, expect them to and also mm-hmm. um you know storytelling is an important aspect of D, but you know, you don't have to be a writer to be a DM. I think that was actually a question that you wrote down, but it you was don't. because uh, that was something I noticed a lot of people say. They were like, "Oh, I'm a terrible writer. I don't feel like I'd be very good at writing it." Blah blah blah. It, you don't have yeah, to write it. you're facilitating it. Your yeah, friends you, are writing it. A hundred percent. The you you know, it's it it's easy to feel the pressure, especially when these auteur DMs are are put up <laughs> on such high pedestals. But like. You know, when you're sitting at the table with your friends, if everyone's having a good time and if you're making them feel like cool heroes and making them feel like that what they're doing is important, then you're doing your job. Mm -hmm. So trying to come up with big themes or metaphors or 
it's if it's something that you feel compelled to do and that you feel confident in doing, then that's great. And that's going to add a oh, yeah. an extra layer to your game that I think your party is going to really appreciate. But if that's what's preventing you from trying, don't let it because that's not necessary. It's you don't need to be you don't need to put any sort of literary themes or anything into your game as long as the game's fun. Yeah. yeah. The main the main goal is just making shit that's fun is exactly. the conclusion yes. here. Yes. If yes. it's not fun, then why are you doing it? Yeah, 100%, yes. yeah. So like theoretically, this is theoretical for any of, I, I don't think it'll matter because I can just say whatever I want at this point because the people that are actually gonna be in the one shot, uh, they aren't gonna hear this until after it's done. <laughs> oh, so you're gonna spill some beans? Are we gonna get some beans? A little beans. bit. Have the beans. Yes, I love beans. Where's the beans? So theoretically, beans, <laughs> if I wanted to do like a one shot where <laughs> it is a like, because I recently got, you know how you go to the Barnes and Noble and you're like, I'm going to be good this time. I'm not yeah. going to get a $50 D&D book. Yeah. Well, I got a Which $50. did you get? <laughs> Ooh, Ravenloft. Ooh. We love Ravenloft. Yes. So I was inspired by this flipping through it because there's this really cool art in here. Uh, sure. I have to Ravenloft find is it. gorgeous. I haven't seen the book, but the There's all like, concept art for Ravenloft is gorgeous. Yeah, I gotta find it. I come on, where are you? I saw this. It's like okay, while I'm looking for it, I'm just going to describe it. It is like a scene of like all these monsters at a masquerade. And I was like, awesome. got inspiration from that, which was that my thought process here was uh they the players are sent to like a party of some kind thinking it's like a normal party and it's like an espionage thing only for things to go very wrong at the end of the night uh and they have and it turns into more of like a escape situation Wonderful. than an espionage situation Love that. sort of monster mash if you will yeah it's the wow, monster Haley, that's mash. a good one you should write that down <laughs> yeah <laughs> You should, make a so you should make a song out of it, actually. I was just about to say that I would make a really good song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah. Be, you're really on your way, you know? You're on your way. <laughs> Seems you like it would see, be a good... Sorry, you've go got, on. like, all of the... Like, you're ready to go, dude. That's, like, a whole thing. Yeah, you don't that, need any other that's a ideas. That's the concept. That's it, right? Yes. So that, that's all I need for session one is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's a problem. Design... Making your head what the party looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of NPCs that are going to put themselves in the party's way. Uh, give them the thing that they think they're trying to do. Be prepared uh, to tell them everything goes sideways. Done. Whole session. And that's it. That's it. All right. So you hear that, folks? It's that easy. <laughs> There's your first session. But Should I specify that I call myself an improv DM and I don't write a lot of things down before? Yeah, we're going to talk about different styles. I think we're both improv DM. I don't know. What do you think I'm an improv DM, Haley? Um, I slightly less than me, but still, yes, I would I say. Mean, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, yeah. we're going to talk about that in episode three. I like allotted a whole section because I know for a fact you guys have a severely different style. Because <laughs> you have proclaimed yourself as a rules lawyer yes Gus. but that's a but that's episode three i don't want to get into that <laughs> yeah. now yeah. yeah well i'll get into that later <laughs> yeah no we Tune can... back in yeah, yeah. that Stick was around. a 
free sneak peek. Ooh. <laughs> We're really great at advertising. So good. Gus is a rules lawyer confirmed. <laughs> Make like a YouTube thumbnail. Yeah. Just put That's... a red circle around his face. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So we have this theoretical session one, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you set that up? so people don't get bored how do you know you've set up enough there that's that's the how what is the balance between world building and plot here in a first session you know i think that a great way to make sure that your players don't get bored is to i said this earlier involve them in the process of whatever world building you do before you start playing. I think that if you, if you, if all of your players come up to the table with a character sheet and they sit down and they go, okay, what's this, what's going on? Like, what's this player gonna do? Then they're gonna have to do a lot of like mental legwork to like mm -hmm. get towards caring and to get be like okay how is my how is my character actually going to care about what's going on a great way to do this is what i like to do is i have a general theme in my head a theme or something to go off of and then i press pause on my preparation and i tell everyone sort of what the deal is have them build their characters and then i try to use what they give me with their characters and weave that into the rest of my preparation hmm. and that way by the time you start playing like so let's say they're going to this party um excuse me <clears throat> uh, let's say they're going to this party you know what maybe one of one of the maybe one of the characters you know, like know some people at the party already maybe someone that they gave you in their backstory is there or is running it or maybe one of them likes to steal things. And okay, so you know that you can put a bunch of things in this party that they can steal or, you know, different things like that that you can use uh, in order to make the world that you're building and the characters that your friends have given you uh, feel more like they belong in the same space together. Mm. Um, and that's, and, and in the same respects, working towards that to try to give your party a common goal as well. Because if they don't have a common goal, it's going to be really hard for them to stay, uh, yeah. for, for the story to keep moving. Because the, the movement of the story, that rests on your players. That's not on you. They can uh, choose to stand still. And right. it's your job to give them a reason not to. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. So, so would you say that having like multiple ways to enter this sort of, comp like setting up almost like, you know how an avatar, this is gonna be such no. a weird place for going. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just getting that out of the gate. I don't. Wait, which avatar? Avatar the last airbender. Okay. Okay. I know at least Haley will know what I'm saying. I've seen a few episodes, but I probably Excellent. won't maybe know. Maybe it's what one of maybe it's from one of those. Maybe. There's something it's with like a with like a cabbage stand or a lettuce. There's... You got it. <laughs> That's an episode, right? Not yes. a whole episode. Guys, there's a character. Part of one. <laughs> Uh, next time we come back here, it's just going to be making a, like a 12 hour long show, making Gus watch all of There's Avatar this big the thing that he rides. What's that thing? It's the big flies. It's really big. Like don't, thing? don't tell him. I wanted, to try, <laughs> I wanted to try and guess what it is. What do you think it's called? Oh, I don't know. It's got an E in it, I think, right? I... <laughs> no it, clue. It has an E in it. What would you call it if you looked at it? Big. Oh, you mean the animal? I think yeah, the big animal. 
big animal guy, big fluffy guy. Got it. Got it in one. Absolutely. <laughs> Crushed it. Would you believe Thanks. would you believe me if I said it was called a flying bison? Uh yes, I would believe you. Is that what it's called? <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. Crushed it. So basically, an avatar. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm really great at transitions. Uh in Avatar, there's like this whole thing, like where they, whenever they're the Airbenders are trying to find their Avatar, they like bring kids in and they like have them set up a bunch of toys and like make them pick mm-hmm. one, right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I do. Is it like that where you need to just set up multiple scenarios where like multiple possibilities, like openings, if you will? That's an option. It puts a lot more work onto you um, because then you have to. Here's here's the easy way to do it. Mm-hmm. Here's what I did when I did my first campaign. Okay. I went to all of my players individually and I went, you're going to start in a jail cell. Minor crime, little itty bitty crime that you did that got you here. You tell me what that crime was, uh, which gave all my players a secret <laughs> to have from the rest of the party, but it was like a dumb secret that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I got arrested for fighting in public. Oh no. Um, but, and then I had some guy break them out of jail and then say, hey, in payment, bring this thing over here. Like they didn't have a choice, you know? Okay, so the other <laughs> choice is a hostage situation. Basically, <laughs> hostage situation. Uh, you can do the nice version of a hostage situation, which is a very nice, uh, friendly, well-meaning villager saying they need something um, and framing it as like, if you don't do this, that'd be really rude. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that with the thing is with, like what Haley was saying, with prepping multiple scenarios, I try to... Because listen, we're all busy people. We all have lives to lead. So it's it's going to be, I try to come up with ways to prep that reduce the amount of unnecessary preparation. Sure, so sure. if you're prepping five different ways that can get to a certain place, you know that you're, that 80% of your effort is just going to go away and be, mm-hmm. and, and not happen. So, you know, I think one way to do it, and this probably takes a little bit more like uh, dexterity in your improvising, th- right. um, but you know, having an endpoint that they can get to and then knowing that they need to end up here and then figuring out ways that the player's decisions and actions in the actual game, you can just sort of move the goalposts around and make <laughs> it so that whatever they do somehow ends Tilt up the world them. a little bit and be like, no, that's yeah. the right way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, it was supposed to be like that all along they do this a lot of the time in dimension 20 because they build the battle sets ahead of time right uh and so they need to make sure to get the party to a certain place but they just you know make it oh you went this way well this is how you're going to get to that battle instead of the way that Mm -hmm. i thought you were going to yeah see because what you're saying i think this is so interesting the way that people explain dming versus like the way people see it like people make a lot Mm -hmm. of jokes about the dm being like a god or something like that but it really doesn't feel like a god so much as catering to a small child. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're babysitting, you're herding cats. Yeah. You are yeah. desperately trying to get these children to their doctors. Herding cats is a great is a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels more like you're trying to offer something to like you're trying to find a way to get a toddler to eat a vegetable the way yeah. you <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. You're like, no, it it's corn you'll like it it's it's good it's good i swear you don't want to go here what if like a hot orc lady says you have to and she'll be happy with you at the end is that good <laughs> yeah. hey if you don't kill people you'll get money at the end yeah. 
And that's why it's really good to encourage your players to to fill out that section in their character sheet, like traits, mm -hmm. bonds, ideals, flaws, because a lot of times people skip over that. They don't want to do it because um, it's hard. And a lot of times people don't get it. But if you make sure that you encourage your players to make their characters care about stuff, anything, mm -hmm. just have them care about stuff, yeah. then you can use that to manipulate them into doing what you want. That's <laughs> great. Sometimes. And some, someone can clip this and throw this on Twitter. Sometimes gaslighting is okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you're doing it for Dungeons and Dragons, then it's fine. <laughs> Sometimes lying to people is funny. <laughs> That's just, that is DMing in a nutshell though, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes lying is funny. <laughs> Sometimes making making people worry is a little funny a little, a little bit satisfying just, isn't just, it just want to give a little bit in there yeah <laughs> uh, i guess this is going to be the part uh where we get into the the part nobody likes talking about which is combat because Step, pass next thank you <laughs> i love my favorite thing about about being a, a gay person who likes D&D. <laughs> There's no combat. <laughs> it's like, I've, never, I've never met a single gay person that's like, oh yeah, my favorite part of D&D, it's combat. <laughs> no. I love the slow turn-based bit. <laughs> I love how a single fight can take upwards of several hours. <laughs> yeah. Listen. Is it an important part of the game? <laughs> Technically, yes. It's what characters are built to do. That's the thing you build your character yeah, for. Yeah, you don't go to the trouble of making a bunch of spells and shit just to walk around and be like, look, I have mm -hmm. spells. Yeah, if you uh, if you don't do combat in D&D, &D, you might as well be playing any other system, right? Yeah, just play imaginary with your friends. Right, just like, <laughs> it's so you can just like sit around your friends and role play a story if you go want. Go LARP. <laughs> yeah. Just go LARP, just do it, I dare you. To be fair, a lot of combat in LARP. Mm. Yeah, but at least you get to hit people with like foam noodles or something. You gotta be so careful about it that <sighs> they got rules. I don't know, see, I feel like a lot of, a lot of these LARPers who are professional and all that, they don't, mm -hmm. they don't understand the point of, of real combat <laughs> because my, my sister, my sister and I fought for bloodshed. <laughs> and that's what D&D &D is for. Yeah. Whenever we were children, there wasn't, the stakes were much lower, but yet we had so much passion for the, yes. for the fight. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the only stakes were that if someone got hurt bad enough, the other person would tell. Yeah. Then bringing it was, in authority figures. Yeah. Usually it was usually it was me who would tell because <laughs> my sister was a biter as a child. You, oh, I was about to ask if you were the younger one and then you said she bites. Were you the older one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I we were twins. Oh, this, this, twins. This older was, or younger twin. There's <laughs> I am the younger twin. Uh. Okay. However, oh, okay. I want to point out, I want to point out, and <laughs> my sister can't defend herself right now because she's off doing something else. And I told her not to come in here, which is that she is two minutes older. But the only reason she is two minutes older is because she, number one, she tried to kill me in the womb. <laughs> we were born two weeks early because she was trying to starve me to death in the womb. Kind of rude. 
kind of wanted to be an only child and then and then she finishes this by i was supposed to come out first but you know you (laughs) guess what happened because this was a c-section situation she shoved her foot in my face as an infant (laughs) a newborn and that's why she was born first that sounds like she deserves to be the older one i don't know what you're saying you should have tried harder maybe yeah i don't know what you're saying (laughs) it's a it's a dog eat dog world out here for twins you gotta baby eat baby world baby fight baby Baby, baby fights. That's what it was. I not even a bit. I once pulled my sister's tooth out by accident. By the way, by accident. Oh my god! She bit down on one of my stuffed animals, and I thought that was gross. So I pulled. And you yanked out a tooth. Four. It was an accident. So I was violent. I was nine. The accident I you were be was intentional. The result was an accident. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To be fair, she started it. Ah, there it is. There you go. I bet she did. <laughs> she did. She That's did. What they all start. say, Ford. But she started it. I know how that goes. Talk about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> no. Combat. This oh place, yeah this place reeks of only child syndrome let's continue i am the oldest of three thank you i am oh, the so, oldest of two. Oh, so gus basically is an only child <laughs> oh no i listen let we we don't have to get into what having an older brother has done to, <laughs> to how i handle games and competition but oh that's true if it's an older brother that's different mm-hmm. if it's like two brothers that's like mm-hmm. a different dynamic basically just raised two children so (laughs) congratulations maybe that influences my DMing style Mm. yes we were gonna talk about combat we'll unpack that in episode three (laughs) tune in anyway back to combat (laughs) there's gonna be a bonus episode where we talk about why where we talk about why our families have generational trauma (laughs) uh but yes how engaging combat that is the main thing how do you make combat that is relevant and how do you make combat that is interesting that is the ma- relevance the easy one yeah no relevance easy <laughs> yeah Rel- yeah you want to take that one Haley? i mean relevant combat uh is just a consequence right it's your players went this place with these people who don't like them or your players instigated this thing um pretty much all of dming is just assigning consequences to actions and combat is a, a really big consequence for some actions. Uh, Spurs the whole thing. Um, so yeah, relevant is just making sure that your players understand why they're there. Because um, if somebody finds themselves in a combat situation and they start thinking, wait, why are we doing this? That's not good. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So having uh, like a, a motive, if they've seen the thing the the thing or the person they're fighting before usually helps um or you just bring it on them that's fun too yeah yeah springing it on them is fun if they just get ambushed that's a great way to make sure that a fight happens if you want to run some combat um you really don't want a situation like Haley said where your players go oh okay this is the fight part I guess we have to fight now like it should feel like something that their character wants to do it all comes back to 
uh, making sure that whatever the goal is is something that uh, your characters care about and and want and would be willing to fight for. Yeah, either um, their character wanted to be in this fight for some reason, or they just want to not die in it, yes. but they understand how it happened. Yeah, like yeah. they know why it started. You have to establish some sort of some sort some sort of reasoning. Yes. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Yeah, because that's what I didn't like whenever, honestly, because like I said, nobody likes combat in D&D, &D, but uh, the main There's reason- a lot of people well, that like combat well, in D&D. &D. Well, I mean, I think okay. combat in D&D is Gay fun. people don't like <laughs> combat in D&D. &D. I was going to say, right, well, I playing with all queer groups, they don't like D&D. &D. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But My first D&D &D game, I came from straight D&D, &D, right? Like uh -huh. I, yeah, <laughs> I started playing out a very different type of D&D. &D. I'm sorry I, that My you... first campaign, I DM'd exclusively for trans people. There you we go. We were there for the role play. <laughs> it, honestly, maybe that's step one of this process. Just get an all gay friend group and that's going to make things so much more interesting. I mean, if you've got friends who share your sense of humor and what they want out of the game, that's that's the thing yeah that's it no you like know? my entire friend group is other trans people and you know what we're very similar in the regard of what we want from DD &D, which is just that's a, a group yeah that's a group i i think a lot of people think like with DD, uh they just try and pull whoever like because they're like i want to play DD, just gotta grab some people mm. they're like joe off the street this guy uh, this guy who was in my science class once. Mm -hmm. And I think that also can kind of mess up the equation there. So, yeah. D a, D a game of D&D &D can only ever be as good as the group of people you're playing with. Yeah. If you would not hang out with a group of people without playing D&D, &D, don't play D&D &D with them. Yes. I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair. Because you're uh, being forced to hang out with them. Yeah. D&D <laughs> is just hanging out with people plus rules. And, and that can make things like... Yeah. Like, you ever play laser tag with a group of people you don't really enjoy? That's bad. Uh, I've never like, played laser tag. Would love to someday. Cuss. Cuss. It seems very... It, I know. I know. I really want to. It's just not going to happen. You're missing out on all of life's fruitful I experiences. <laughs> haven't seen Avatar. Haven't played laser tag. Yeah, you ever go to like a you ever go to like a shitty arcade like and they have like some laser tag and you're like hang like it's imagine in the theater of the mind it's like eighth grade you're going with a bunch of people to like a shitty arcade there's a couple kids there you do not like you guys do not like each other it's mm. eighth grade you're 13 years old what, do what you grade are we in great good <laughs> yeah you're 13 years old what do you expect so you go in and they give you rules and then they let you loose. That's about <laughs> what it would feel like to play TNT with a group mm -hmm. of people you don't like because it's just violence for violence is the rule of beasts. People being like weirdly aggressive on like a personal level. <laughs> yeah. Like it becomes okay. like a it becomes like a John Wick situation really quickly. <laughs> Anyways. I think a big Plus, how do you make combat interesting? How yes. do I make combat? You asking me in particular? Yeah, I guess. Please you yeah. know how I wow. Okay. So <laughs> I feel it's like an insecurity some... of both of us. It's a it's it's yeah. the biggest insecurity I think we both have about yeah. our DMs games is that well, and because yeah. that's the thing. Figuring out, especially if you have a group of people that you 
are already comfortable with and are friends with have a good time with. The role-playing and making a fun story that's engaging for your friends part is so much easier to pick up and to, to get good at, yes, than figuring out how to make engaging combat because uh, building engaging combat is a lot less dependent on chemistry with your friends and knowing what yeah. your friends want and a lot more dependent on literally like you are, because it's fully like at that point, rules crunch and and understanding yeah, how to build numbers. mechanically and interesting and engaging it's like going from like do you know your friends to can you design a game it's like a, an entirely different skill set and it's much more difficult um uh right. so it's still an aspect of the game that and i think that the the combat rules part of DD, I still find very fun, especially as a player, mm. if it's done well, but like it's very hard to do well. And as a DM, it's a very stressful part. But so, you know, I'm not sure that I'm the best person to turn to if you're looking for someone to tell you how to make engaging combat. Yeah, I will oh, say, yes. good combat is really good. Like if yes. you can get combat, I'm not gonna say like get combat down, get it mastered, because it's different every single time. It's the worst thing about it. <laughs> you gotta keep doing it yeah, and, and reinventing it every time. Yeah, it's not like applesauce where it's the same every time. It's Correct. a different- You don't make your applesauce different every time? No, <laughs> you know, Gus, here's the thing. Uh, What's up? Yeah, I'm not really, are you suggesting the existence of like different textures of applesauce? I'm just saying that, you know, there's, it's just sauce. You can put so much more liquidy. You can throw up, there's new ingredients. You can throw a little cinnamon in there. You can throw uh -huh. after some time, you can get weird with it, you know? Okay. Like what, like, Gus? What else are you putting in there? Yeah. I don't know. Like, and you know, like us. just like a little flavor packet, like you do with Jello. Uh -huh. You want to have like some banana flavored applesauce or like oh, some. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, um, like flavored water mix like some fruit yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. or maybe anyway combat um so <laughs> you ran uh, out of flavor ideas i did um <laughs> you know there's like cranberry applesauce right hello there's like that's what i'm interested like strawberry applesauce there's okay. stuff like that i was gonna say it i was um, gonna say apple applesauce <laughs> my favorite the kind of applesauce is apple flavored so it's pretty quirky i think uh the the standard advice for building good combat i'll plagiarize brennan lee mulligan here because oh, he has do. very good advice he has very good combat advice. such good advice and i'm trying my best to follow that advice when i build combat but it's still hard sometimes um give a goal outside reduce the hp of the people you are fighting to zero that will that will make each of your combats unique and give your players something to do other than hit or be hit um, so if they have to get to a certain location, if they have to escape, if they have to acquire an item, if they have to save someone who's tied up, all these different things that you can do in a combat scenario. Um, there's like some sort of spell that they have to, whatever. Um, uh, you can also sort of like, if there's something that your players have to figure out, like if there's a puzzle mechanic to the battle as well, um, uh, like... Uh, what one of my uh, one of my first DMs he built a a combat once where it's like there was like a ritual that was happening at the time and there's all these cultists or something that were chanting the whole time and their chanting was like healing the main guy and so if you're able to figure yeah. out that like oh okay we need to stop this chanting let's cast a silent spell let's just take care of these people like figuring out other ways that you can yeah. uh, pull on your players' abilities also one thing I want to say is that 
it's very good as a DM to have intimate knowledge of everything, not only from a personality and a character standpoint, but a mechanic standpoint that your party can do. Um, knowing your party's spell list, knowing their different abilities can really make you go like, oh, okay, like, you know, this, you know, oh, we have a monk that has slow fall. Great. Let me, you know, let me put this combat on like a multi-leveled story building so that they can fall and feel cool about the fact that they have slow fall. Mm -hmm. Different things like that can make your party feel like heroes, actually get to use their abilities and feel cool and awesome. And that's really what the point of combat is, is to use this, these game mechanics to make your character feel like they do dope shit and are awesome and heroic. Uh, so just giving, you know, just feeding them opportunities when I was building. So in my podcast, I'm prepared casters that I have <laughs> with, uh, Haley, um, on Spotify and uh, Apple podcast, <laughs> whenever you see your podcast, um, I, in the heist, uh, arc that I ran with arc two, the, the final vault encounter, um, where they had to steal the item, I made sure to like put an aspect, uh, t- that matched a character's strength into if, so to fill it up with different sorts of things that each mm-hmm. character could do that matched what they were good at. So Haley's character, a big thing. right? Haley's character was a barbarian, very very strong. So I made the door to this vault a big stone wall that she had to lift. There was a control panel that needed really really high investigation checks to manipulate. So our high intelligence character handled that. There was a laser field where two dexterous characters could dance around some lasers. Um, so different things like that, leaning into your party's different abilities. Uh, can really help uh, make combat feel engaging and exciting. I guess it also leads me into like NPCs because like the thing about NPCs is that players will either become obsessed with them or despise them. (laughs) Yeah. And, (laughs) and, And I guess here's the thing. How do you like, obviously, what comes with writing an NPC kind of comes with like the territory of writing characters in general, which is like making just an interesting person and like someone you think that obviously, as we've discussed before, would match with the people that you are engaging with and matching with like Mm -hmm. the, like the capacities of that person and like would fit into that group. However, whenever something perhaps doesn't go to plan with an NPC and perhaps they were relevant in some capacity, How do you ent- how do you deal with that? Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing like getting a character just straight up rejected by the group whenever you had plans <laughs> for them. Yeah, I've had that happen. I've, I've I had that happen with the first NPC I ever introduced to my party. <laughs> they all went, "Oh, this guy, I hate this guy." I was like, "Oh, he's gonna come back." Um, <laughs> my the thing I do with NPCs when I build them is I give them their own thing going on. Uh, I'm like, this guy has something outside of the party that is like their motivation or their thing they're trying to do, Um, which I feel like helps in some ways, hurts in other ways. It helps the party feel like, okay, this guy actually (laughs) doesn't need us to be here. Like what they're doing doesn't necessarily rely on what we're doing. Um, and it helps the party not fixate so hard (laughs) in some cases. Uh, but I mean, in the case of my wonderful gnome that I loved that, (laughs) that my party just rejected and decided they did not want to associate with, um, 
I rolled with it. I made that guy more of an asshole. And then I gave him a party of tall women who were much more tolerable that had the same goal. <laughs> so you and made it worked a like a charm. <laughs> you made a Jenkins? That's what happened here? <laughs> I, made, I made a Jenkins and I didn't want him to be a Jenkins. So I gave him four uh, tall, powerful, beautiful women that thought he was like fine and wanted the same thing that he did. And then what did the party want to do? Do whatever those ladies want. <laughs> yeah, there's always that's that's there's always ways that you can readjust and like I said earlier, move the goalpost to fit what your party's mm -hmm. actions taking. So I think uh, manipulation by a hot woman. Yes. Yeah, oh my god, it's worked every time I've done it. I've done it so many times. <laughs> Do it till Hot it stops woman working. Or nervous man. There it's you all go. <laughs> can, you, can you tell I play exclusively with trans masks? There you go. <laughs> that's, that's us, baby. We... <laughs> the funniest part is that so many of the people I know are trans masks and exclusively like other men. But what makes it even funnier is that they would still give it all up for a very attractive woman. For a tall, powerful lady, it works every time, I'm telling you. I... <laughs> we're, sh we're shiny and easy to trick. <laughs> That's just one way to readjust, obviously. Yeah. You readjust however works for your characters mm -hmm. and your players and your story, but... Mm -hmm. And if what you have to do is throw out that whole NPC and uh, build a new one who just has a weirdly similar goal, if you dress it up uh, enough, like it's not exactly the same thing, half the time they won't even notice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're getting to the end of this episode, which is why I'm, I saved the biggest question for last because this is the one. Can't wait. Okay, well, second to last, which is okay. the character voices. Oh boy. You don't need them. You don't Next. need them. <laughs> People, if, that's what, if that's what's keeping you from DMing, you don't I don't them. do them. Don't worry about it. Yeah, because I hear people be like, you need a character voice. You need a character voice. It's like, it's a siren song to some people to think that in order to DM, they have to have some sort of voice this is what critical role has done to our society okay it was a bunch of professional voice actors and i think as a player having something resembling a character voice having like even a tone or a pitch or a manner of speech you take on for me that's really helpful in role play because it helps me separate out like this is when i'm talking and this is when the rogue is talking you know? yes as a dm i i just can't <laughs> Yes. I do my He's best trapped. as a DM to, to, to try to give my, my characters distinct voices. A lot of, a, really, it's just like a certain, like two or three categories of ways I know I can manipulate my own voice <laughs> and all of my NPCs will fit into one of these two or three categories. Yeah. And I try my best because it's something that I'd like to put in, to bring into my game, but it's a hundred percent unnecessary. I'd love yeah. to be good at it someday, but yeah. I'm so nervous every time an opportunity comes up. Yeah. People are so busy thinking about like Matt Mercer and like uh, mm -hmm. Brennan Lee Mulligan with their crazy impressions and all that, mm -hmm. that they forget 
forget that there's still the Griffin McAvoy's of the yes. world who can do seven voices and that's it, baby. And no Ooh, character voice representation <laughs> that we deserve. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure if you went and listened to the Adventure Zone right now, you would hear Griffin doing one of those like four, like four or five voices that he has. He yeah. has young boy, yes, wise woman, uh, grumpy man, <laughs> gruff man and a uh, cool lady and oh, that's add rowdy lady as well and rowdy lady that's it <laughs> those are the what that's all he's got and garfield the deals warlock what that's, that's his own seven cat. <laughs> you think hey that and you the, the listeners at home you may be thinking to yourself hey that's only one character no it's not <laughs> no it is not <laughs> as someone that has seen Griffin McRoy act in other properties where he, he uses, uses that voice he uses the Angus voice or he uses the the deals warlock voice every single time it's so good <laughs> and yet they're like ah this man he's perfect bring him in he can do that he can do that quirky little kid voice right perfect he does it great he yeah. does it great you don't have to be great at every voice. You just got to yeah. be good at the one. Or you just don't bother. You're just like, here's yeah. a guy. He sounds like me. Yep. Sorry. It's okay to not bother. As I, yeah. Especially if they're like, like a one-off character or if uh -huh. they don't have super strong personality traits and you're just like, they just need to be here for this one thing. And then they disappear into the void. Voices and world building and all of these things, all these different reasons that... I hear people say, I don't want to start DMing because I can't do X. None of it's necessary. No. None of it. You can you can bring whatever skill set you have to the table, even if it's nothing. Whatever you feel like you can do, you can bring that to the table and do it. You don't need to, to mirror your DM style after anything you've ever seen before. Oh, just, yeah. just do what you can and have a good time and stuff. you'll start picking stuff up. Do you feel like and this is perhaps a bit of a strange question, but I think it's one that I've been thinking about as we've been talking about this. As much as I love D&D podcasts, I really mm -hmm. love D&D podcasts. Do you feel like to a certain okay. extent, like the ones done by professionals have like made this idea, like this like very like hyped up idea of what it has to be yeah. in some 100%. way? 100%. Yeah. Part yeah. Of the, Matt Mer the Matt Mercer effect? Yeah. It's real. It's yeah. not necessarily positive or negative, but it's a... Yeah, like it's this a real is, thing. I want to make it clear for people who are thinking I'm dunking on these podcasts. I'm not. Yeah. I watch and per I watch most of these, except for Critical World. It's just too a long. Lot of for content. Me. You're fine. Yeah, it's just too long for me. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not dunking on any of this. I'm just simply pointing out they have an end mm -hmm. that I think a lot of people forget. We are normal people. <laughs> Just some guys. We're normal people. And yeah, that's what I've noticed with a lot of people who are like, uh, I feel like if I'm not doing as good as this person, I'm not doing it right. Mm. That's that's an issue with your players. If your players are making you feel bad, yeah. they're not running your game oh, exactly yeah. like Matthew Mercer, it's a bad player. Get a new one. Oh, I 100% agree. Yeah, They're yeah, not yeah. right for your table. Mm -hmm. All right. That brings me to the last question, which is the the big bad boy. How do you avoid railroading? And don't tell your players no. Yeah, don't tell your players no. That's a big one. 
Yeah. Um, moving was, goalposts is something I've talked about a lot as well. Yeah. No, I'm bringing this up now because not even a joke. This was the thing I got told the most over and over again was people being like, I feel like I would be a railroader. I feel like mm. I wouldn't give people enough space to do what they wanted because I feel like I have to have some sort of control. You don't, you're not gonna have it. You do not have control at that table. You're facilitating everybody else slowly stealing the control from each other. Um, but we, we can bring this all the way back around full circle to the beginning with when you start world building. Mm -hmm. If you find yourself plotting out a five-year campaign, you know Stop. the different like arcs and the story beats, that's when you're going to find yourself wanting to railroad because you're going to feel very precious about this plot. You're going to want them to go to this cool place and meet this cool person. Um, that, that's natural. You worked really hard on that thing and you want them to see it and you want to portray it. But if you start small and let your players shape where the story goes, you let them follow the things that excite them and ignore the things that they don't care about, no matter how much you cared about those things, that, that's how you avoid railroading, right? Is you, you start them on the track and you build like three tracks out and then you see where the train wants to go and you just <laughs> frantically build in front of it as it goes, like you're in a Tom and Jerry cartoon. I was literally gonna make that exact same metaphor. <laughs> I have nothing to add, that's a perfect answer. Same brain, same brain, yeah. <laughs> Looney Tunes. And on that note, on the opposite side of the spectrum, floundering feeling like you are feeling like you are gasping for air whenever yeah. you are trying to figure out what you're doing because I think people are so afraid of messing up in front of other people mm. okay. um I would say that and I think that this applies to dms and players alike I think that something that I've learned recently ish uh, to to help me be a little bit less afraid of what I'm the decisions I'm making on either side of the table is to not be afraid to shake things up and to make incredibly big and bold movements because I think floundering and this sort of paralysis of indecision can sort of lead people towards not wanting to do anything because they don't want to like mess anything up or they don't want to do anything wrong but um but creating it i literally think this might even be in the dm's guide i don't know if you've ever cracked it open before i have a couple times but like um if you ever feel like you don't really know what to do or you don't really know where to take things do something big, do, do like, like, you know, topple a kingdom, uh, you know, uh, kill a, an important NPC, something that'll shake the story up, that'll get your players to move and start taking more action. And then those player decisions, like, like we've been saying this whole time, those player decisions will start pushing the plot forward in a direction where you can get it moving yeah. again. Yeah. Um, not just don't be afraid to take big swings. Um, as long as you're not like, cause I do know that some DMs will just like think of a really cool thing that they wanna happen that's just like out of pocket and like mm -hmm. doesn't even make sense. So like, don't like be like, hey, guess what? Your mom's dead now for no reason. Like, you know, make, oh. sure, make sure that- uh, Don't jump the shark. Right, 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 right. But- Don't um, pull a supernatural. <laughs> yeah, but just, you know, 
like trust falling your way into the plot essentially like like fall like being able to fully give in to the way that things are going and just seeing where it takes you i think yeah. is kind of scary but once you get more used to the fact that like okay the story's going to keep on going even if things get really different mm-hmm. um I, I i think has made me a better player that's real that's a really good place to end gus <laughs> <gasps> Yay. You did good. Thanks. <laughs> uh, I think I think that covers about everything you could possibly need for starting a session. And I think just like you've been saying, we don't need to overtalk it because the more you talk about it, the more you're going to get a bit too anxious about it because mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, what I've learned today in my little Dora the Explorer moment, if you will, <laughs> what I've learned today is that you gotta just spend less time in your head and more time working with others. You gotta, yes. you gotta yes. play ball with others. Yes. Involve your players as soon as possible. Get at the table rolling dice as soon as possible. Don't. It'll. Don't come. be a secret keeper, DM. Yep. You have a couple. Well, yeah. Couple. If you want, you can have a couple. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Obviously, a couple, but not, <laughs> but not like everything. Not at yeah, certainly. Yeah. And I think that's, like I said, pretty good place to end off. And uh, this is the part where I'm going to do my big long spiel because I'm going to, and I'm going to have to think about it like uh, it's July right now. Like it's like July right now. Uh, Happy July. Happy July. Uh, How was, how were the holidays? How's the weather? Pretty standard, honestly. Which holiday? Oh, the fourth? That's (laughs) (laughs) the July one. I'm sorry. (laughs) One of the summer ones. Yeah. Uh, th- thank you guys so much for coming. And also, th- and thank you guys for listening. You can support BrainRot Presents on, at Patreon at BrainRot underscore Presents. That's Presents with no E's at Patreon.com. You can also follow us on Twitter under that uh, pseudonym and under and at TikTok. You can email us at BrainRotPresents at gmail.com. Uh, and if you and if you are interested in that, you can just follow Dungeon Amateur on Twitter while we're releasing episodes, because I'm probably going to have to make a Twitter after this, if I remember Woo! to do it. Woo! <laughs> and of course, Nemesign is currently being released right now. It's a really cool audio drama that we have been working on since February. Please go support it. We've been doing a lot of work on it, and we're super excited about it. And this is just what, and this is just one little corner of like what Brain Rot Presents does. There's so much more. There's Lukewarm Takes, which is currently on hiatus, and because we had so much going on. And there's Prim's playlist, which is for people who really like K-pop and really want to learn and really just want to engage more with that. So, that that is my spiel. My spiel. Thank you. I've gotten really good at them. Yes. Do you guys want to? Uh, do you guys want to uh, tell people where they can find you again if they don't re- if they don't remember or they just don't know? Uh, listen to our podcast, Unprepared <laughs> Casters. It's wherever you find podcasts. I everything else is is gravy, but the important thing to me is that you listen to our podcast. It's good. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> They are really, they are really great. They're really funny. They bring on some really awesome. They bring on some really awesome players and really awesome people, and they do a lot of fun experimental stuff. So if you really aren't in for the long haul in a D and D campaign where you're like, I don't have 600 episodes to sit down and listen to Matt Mercer do cool voices, uh, this is going to be a good one for you. Check it's us out. Gr- yes, go support them. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And with that. 
This has been Dungeon Amateur episode one, and my dog desperately wants to be let out, let out the door. Let him out. <laughs> let him out. Let him out. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>